Hello and welcome to the Olympic Channel podcast. I'm Ed Knowles. If you want the best bits from olympicchannel.com, then that's great. We'll have all of that featuring some brilliant interviews with the top Olympians. This is the place where the games never end. So this is going to be our last podcast for a couple of weeks, but we will be back on a weekly basis very soon. So make sure you hit subscribe and then you won't miss a thing. I'll be giving you a taster for what's coming up in the next few months and weeks at the end of the show, so stick around for that. But really, it's time to let you know about the big secret. History was made in Pyeongchang with Korea having a unified hockey team. Players from North and South Korea came together and played under the same flag. And I spoke to players from both sides of the border for their perspective. The video is on olympicchannel.com as well. And we are beavering away at the moment, making something really special about it all that will be out very, very soon. If that wasn't enough, then how about some interviews with skiing legends and Olympic gold medalists, Lindsay Vonn and Michaela Schifrin. I sat down with both of them just before the closing ceremony. Both were, as expected, great. So it's a packed show and I can't wait for you to have a listen. Well, first, here are the top stories from olympicchannel.com. The Shibutani surprise Korean students. Cheers and delight as African Winter Olympic heroes return home. And Olympic champion snowboarder Chloe Kim aims to stay grounded after a stratospheric rise. Even though the games are finished, you will get your Olympic fix at olympicchannel.com forward slash news. Get it in your bookmarks. Have a look on the app and you can just tap news. You'll find those stories and many, many more. So, it's been a funny old games for Michaela Schifrin in many ways. She leaves with a gold medal in the giant slalom and a silver in the combined. That is added to her gold in slalom from Sochi, and she's only 22. For pretty much anyone else, that would be a major success. But the American came into the games targeting five gold medals. The funny thing was that it all seemed so possible. So, with the weight of that expectation, the weather mucking up her schedule. She missed the podium completely in her favourite event, the slalom, which was so surprising. But did she look disappointed or browbeaten in any way when I met her? I've just got to say no. She beamed a smile throughout and frankly, she was utterly charming. And I started off by asking her what kind of things she'd sacrificed in order to be the best. Well, the funny thing about sacrifice is if you don't know what you're missing. It doesn't really feel like a sacrifice. So I couldn't really tell you. Um, I, I have actually, I've been really lucky with the people who are around me, my coaches, my team, everybody who um, helps me so much and works so hard around me. It makes it really easy for me to work hard. And um, you know, if we have tough days, we have those days together. And uh, when we have good days, we also <laughs> have that together. So it's, it's, pretty incredible the position that I'm in and um, I try not to think about the sacrifices too much because like it's not really a great thing to feel sorry for yourself especially in my position. Uh, I wouldn't like you ever to see me ski because oh. I would be look pretty awful. Well but, I am a judgmental person. So. <laughs> but you look so comfortable there is that the place that you just feel most comfortable comfortable just on the slopes it is it is skiing is my happy place for sure um and that's something that i like last season i dealt with a lot of nerves uh, especially in competition days and this season i've started to 
uh, when I get nervous for a race, it's normally because I'm worried that I'm not going to perform to my potential or I'm going to disappoint people. Um, and the thing that I've started to do to combat those nerves is actually picture myself when, when I'm actually skiing. Um, and the nerves disappear because I just think once I'm out there, once I'm actually doing it, it's all going to feel better. Um, and that has become sort of a tactic I've used when I do get nervous because it is, it's the place that I feel normally feel the most comfortable. So, okay, there's a day you have nothing to do, you have no training to do, there's no commitment, you don't have, you know, it, it must be strange to try and get this place, but what do you do? What's the perfect day? Uh, perfect day where if, <laughs> it depends on if I'm skiing or not, but if I'm not training, if I have like a day off, I sleep in, Big breakfast, I'm a really big breakfast person. Um, probably I would have some time to maybe read a book and also watch a movie and also take a nap. <laughs> I was gonna say, taking a nap seems pretty important to that you. That is very important to me, yeah. Like, I'm thinking about, this isn't great. I'm very much enjoying this interview, but I'm, it's always in the back of my mind that I'm like, when am I gonna get a nap in today? Um, yeah, I, I do love sleeping, that's for sure. So that would definitely be part of my perfect day. Um, yeah, I mean, being mellow. So much of my life is like constantly running around and racing time and um, really intense. So when I get time off, it's like I can really lounge. It's, it's nice. Uh, you've got uh, a little partner as well who's also quite good at being at the Olympics in Missy Franklin. Yeah. Uh, are you going to spend some time? Are you going to have like an epic sleepover with her? I mean, we'll see. <laughs> she and I, it's taken us since, oh my God, well, at least since Sochi when we were first like sort of got in touch with each other and we we're like, well, we have to meet up sometime. I mean, between Sochi and then going to Rio, Finally, we met. So it was two year, over two years actually before we actually met. So who knows when we're going to be able to actually cross paths again at the right time, like be in Colorado at the same time because our sports are completely opposite schedules. But um, it would be nice to, to see her again. Like after her games in Rio, um, I thought that her, though just the way she held herself and her response to people who um, who were upset about her performance. Like it was, I just can't imagine anybody carrying themselves better than what she did. She was so poised and elegant and uh, it was really going into this games. I always thought like, just, it doesn't matter what happens. Like just carry yourself like Missy and you'll be fine. <laughs> That's it. Now there is, uh, there's always been a tension in the past 20 years with media as it's got bigger and bigger and social media is even more prevalent and stuff like that. What sort of things, what tactics do you use to sort of take the positives from social media but forget about the haters? Uh, it's not always easy, especially if, if you're, for me, um, I'm, I'm a positive person, but I like to think that I can make everybody happy. And I get really personally offended if somebody doesn't like me, um, even if I don't know them at all, if it's someone on social media. So you can imagine there's always people out there who just don't agree with what you do or they're just for whatever reason they don't like you that much and that's fine and I'm trying to be 
okay with that, but it's it's not always that easy. Uh, so actually coming into this games, I like completely shut down my social media. I didn't go on it at all. Um, I if I was had any posts that I wanted to make or was supposed to make, I would basically take the picture that I wanted and write the caption. Then I would send it to my manager and say, please post this on my Instagram or whatever. And um, just after after winning the silver medal yesterday, I finally like w opened up my social media and started responding to people who were sending me messages and um, reading comments. And one thing that I like to do with social media is actually read the comments because I, I do think there's a lot of valuable feedback there, even even with the haters you know, people who don't like something that I've done, um, oftentimes there's some truth to what they're saying. And I do take, I take it to heart maybe more than I should. And that often puts more pressure on me. But, um, you know, at this point, like, I'm not feeling the pressure anymore uh, for this Olympics. And so it's a nice time for me to be able to act, like, make that connection with, with fans or um, not fans. <laughs> so uh, when you won the gold medal, that must have felt just like the culmination of all this hard work, four years, it's finally here, it's like, get in. Yeah. But then afterwards you took on all this stuff that you were supposed to do afterwards. <laughs> so how, how did that feed in and just take us through that sort of process of how that all went? Yeah, well, uh, this, this Olympic schedule was pretty, pretty crazy for Alpine. So many of the events were changed from the weather and for, for all of the sports, actually, there was a lot of uh, schedule changes, but my three three events that I was planning to do were held on different days than they were scheduled for. And I was talking with my coaches about this. If we had looked at the Olympic schedule, um, you know, when it, during the summer or whatever, um, preparing for the Olympics and seen it as it actually played out, I would never have considered doing more than three events. I, that would have been insane. Um, so when we, you know, I was considering doing the super, super G, I was considering doing the downhill race and then ended up, um, skipping those to get a little bit of rest and training. And it, it worked out as well as I could have possibly imagined. But uh, you mentioned the giant slalom and that was one of the most emotional races that I can remember at this point in my career, because I can remember Sochi, um, missing the podium in the giant slalom, but not feeling like I was uh, really skiing well enough to have an Olympic medal in GS. So one of my big goals since Sochi was to get my, my GS skiing to the level that I could win a medal uh, here. And to have that happen after having a races postponed for like five days in a row, that was really, really special. So someone else who's special is... Um for you, I think, is Thomas Walsh. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, seems like an incredible story. He's coming over to Pyeongchang as well to compete, uh, cancer survivor. Uh, but just by saying that there, we laughed and sort of there's a smile there. It's not like a tragic story or anything like that. I mean, how much inspiration do you take from someone like Thomas? Yeah, it's a really triumphant story, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess it's seven seven or eight years ago now that it would have been felt like the most tragic thing in my life but um, how he overcame cancer and how he's fought back since then has been really inspiring to me and like I just it, 
nobody should have to go through that. And I know everybody feels that way. Like, you, no one would wish cancer on somebody. No one would wish um, any kind of disease on somebody. And that's, you know, that's part of the world that we live in. But uh, I always thought that, you know, it's, it, it was him versus me or versus any, anyone else I knew because he was the one who could handle it. Um, and he was never a very big kid to begin with. And, you know, his diagnosis was uh, is just a ter terrible, terrible form of cancer as well. And he did not have a good outlook. And it, it was almost a miracle that he survived. But in a way, it wasn't a miracle at all because it, like, knowing who he is, that's the kind of thing I would expect from him. Like, yeah. <laughs> good luck trying to take me down, you know. <laughs> I'm going to beat you, and then I'm just going to go compete in the Paralympics. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and it's I'm, – I'm really looking forward to the Paralympics. And, like, I don't know actually how much I'll be able to see, but I'm really looking forward to these those guys getting over here and starting their competitions because the conditions are really good. And in Sochi, it was – like spring weather, they had to use so so many chemicals and so much salt to keep the snow like hard enough for us to compete that by the time the Paralympians were there, the surface was just terrible. They were competing out of the worst possible conditions you could imagine, and I think it's actually going to be like somewhat enjoyable for them to compete here, which is going to be great. I've got a little quote from him, and it says, it could have been either of you, basically, and that's why it was so awesome. It's like, yes, I want to be a champion. Yes, I want to go fast. I want to win. But I want to work my hardest. But I wouldn't still be doing this if it was not no fun. Is yeah. that something that you would agree with? Like, is that a lesson that you hold close? Yes. Yes, for sure. That's, uh, and maybe that's the most important thing that drives every, every athlete is if they didn't love it, you know, if it's just miserable 100% of the time and you're beating your head against the wall, then that's, that's why people quit, uh, you know. And it's not, like, glorious. It's not a glamorous job. There's a lot of hard work, and there are a lot of moments where you're frustrated and angry and you feel like you can't take the next step and you're, you're worried about your performances, you're worried about how the next races are going to go. There's just, there's like, a lot of anxiety and frustrating things that happen with sport and with being an athlete and performing on uh, on a world stage especially at the olympics but there it's the moments that like those brief moments of success or uh, when i feel like i made a breakthrough with my skiing or you know when it's just a perfect day out on the slope and the training was awesome and then i have a really great lunch and a great nap after that and <laughs> and that it's those days where i'm like i love this and that's why I'm doing it. And those are the days that drive me through anything else that could be tough or, or miserable at all. And just finally, on Beijing 2022, it's going to be in China, again in Asia. Um, what kind of experience is it being in Asia and competing for someone who's American? Yeah, it's been... I mean, the, the support that I've actually felt here has been really wonderful um, from everybody for the you know from American fans who've traveled here from Europeans who've traveled here and also from uh, from the Koreans or from any of the Asian population who has also come here um, it's it's been just a, a pleasure to compete and I haven't felt anything that would make me feel otherwise um, so I'm looking forward to like it's it's also nice to compete in uh, 
in this part of the world at this time because I'll be more looking forward to going to Beijing now that I feel like I've experienced it a bit. It's like, okay, I know what to deal with. It's not so, um, I don't know, it's not such an abstract concept for me anymore. Many, many thanks to Michaela Schifrin. The clanging noise that you may have heard there was her two medals that she was wearing. You know, casual. More thanks to Yvette for helping out for that interview and many others and all the people from Team USA too. Okay, when Lindsay Von skis, the world watches. She's box office. With setback after setback, she continues. The American won gold in Vancouver in 2010, but missed Sochi through injury. She came back for Pyeongchang and, in her own words, was just happy to be at the starting gate. After that triumph in 2010, she got a divorce, she got a dog, she battled with her knee. But all the early mornings and hard work paid off. The 33-year-old is going home with an Olympic bronze medal in the downhill. The three-time medalist said the bronze felt like gold, and I started off by asking her if she ever caught herself thinking that just getting to Pyeongchang was impossible. I mean, I definitely have had moments where, you know, after some of my insane injuries, I've questioned things a little bit, but I've never given up. You know, I, I never believe that things are impossible. And I was really proud to be standing in the starting gate at these Olympics and, you know, to come away with another Olympic medal is something to be really proud of. So uh, I still believe nothing is impossible. I really love winning and <laughs> clearly you're all really good at, at winning as well um, but the Olympics are a bit more than that I mean what do you hold dear to you in terms of Olympism? I mean I think being a part of a team is something really special and you don't get that at any other race world championships world cup you know we we are a team made up of all different sports and we represent our country to the best of our ability and I mean it, it's it's such an inspiring thing to be a part of you know that that's what the Olympics are about to me and you know yesterday I saw the women's uh, gold medal hockey team you know and they were so excited and I loved every minute of it you know it was it made me appreciate the Olympics so much because I was able to be a part of that and be on the same team as those inspiring women. If you look at one of the other teams as well, the Korea Unified team with the crowd chanting, we are one, I mean, what do you make of the, the power of sports? Can it really affect change and, and peace? I think sports have a, especially with the Olympics, you know, have a really unique way of unifying people and, you know, putting aside differences and you know, whether it be political, cultural, um, geographical, you know, we all come together and, and we, we compete and we go for medals, but it's not just about the medals, you know, it's so much more, as you said, you know, North and South Korea competing under one flag, it's, it's crazy, you know, those are, those are things that uh, have a real chance of making an impact on the world and um, that's something that only the Olympics can do. There's like a little saying that I live to anyway, where it's like comfort is a poison. And I feel like with your knee, like there's obviously lots of bad things about that. And that's clear, you know, it's obvious. But does that give you kind of a strength and a focus and an ability to kind of build upon that, making your strength a weakness or your weakness a strength rather? Yeah, I think even though my knee uh, has taken its toll on me and it's been a 
pain in my butt for, a long, for, for quite a few years now, uh, it's definitely made me stronger. You know, I, I mentally know I can take anything and I can overcome anything. And that's something that I never would have gotten had I not been injured. I mean, I would prefer not to be injured, but um, I do think it's made me a stronger person. And let's talk about Lucy. She is awesome. Uh, so awesome. <laughs> you live on the road, um, and that is why you've got Lucy, I guess. But has there ever been a moment where you've been like, come on, man, stop eating my socks? Has she done something crazy? Lucy snores really loud. So there's definitely been quite a few times where I'm like, really? Like, I have a race tomorrow. You need to stop snoring right now. So usually I wake her up. I, she likes to snuggle under the covers, so I wake her up, I put her under the covers, right by my feet, so it's just a little bit out of earshot, and she usually stops snoring, but when she's on her back, just forget about it. Do you snore? Yes. <laughs> I, I've been told that I snore, I also talk in my sleep. I've known to speak German in my sleep and do interviews um, after a long day of media, you know, a, Sometimes I make sense, sometimes I don't, but Lucy probably is just as irritated with me as I am with her. <laughs> this Games for you, you've mentioned your family there, has just been supercharged with emotion for you. I mean, how much pride do you take when you get to spread those ashes of your grandfather down after all that you've achieved? Yeah, it's been... It's been so emotional and I've been so proud to carry his ashes with me and to know that my grandfather served in a war that helped South Korea get their independence. You know, that's, that's something really special and I wish he was here with me, but now he'll always be in South Korea, at least a little bit of him anyways. And knowing that he was looking out for me and I'm sure he was watching and cheering, you know, that. That, that is important to me, and uh, yeah, I, I will cherish the entire Olympics so much more just because of that. Um, I mean, the Koreans also did some traditional dances in his honor. Uh, you know, they, they gave me a plaque in, in memory of his service to the country. You know, they really appreciated him and what the U.S. has done for them, so uh, it was all incredibly special and, and something I'll never forget. I mean, it's hard to not think that it's like fate, you know, like the whole thing seems like just, just you know, yeah. it's, it's wrong, but it also seems like such a, an amazing way to end the story. I mean, with the, the medal around your neck now, does, is the, do you feel them on your shoulders? I mean, I, I had always hoped that he would be here and I thought that would have been a great ending to my my Olympic career and and you know he had wanted to just hang on and live long enough to be here but um, but I think it is fate you know he is watching out for me he is the best seat in the house and um, you know it's a way for him to also always be you know a little piece of him will always be here so it may not have been the the true you know Cinderella ending, but I think it was pretty special, and I think he would be very proud. From the disappointment in missing out in Sochi, 
to the glory in Vancouver was just has been so cool. And then the super emotion that you've got here. What is the kind of advice that you give to some like young person going to Buenos Aires for the Youth Olympic Games? What is the best thing that you could say to them? Um, well, I mean, I think the best advice I can give to the kids going to Buenos Aires is just to enjoy it. You know, try to live in the moment, um, use all of your resources, you know, really get the Olympic experience and and learn, learn from it, you know, learn about cultures, you know, with the Youth Olympic Games, there's so many other tools that the athletes can use um, to learn more about other countries and their, their cultures and, and their competitors and who they're, you know, who they're spending time with, you know, they can meet all these people and have these experiences that are once in a lifetime. So um, I would just say to enjoy it and soak it all in, learn as much as you can. And if we finish just with a question about gender, and the words that we use. In the figure skating, people are called ladies. Elsewhere, they're called women. What word would you like to represent? Humans. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm a strong woman, um, but I'm also just a strong human being. Top, 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 thanks to Lindsay Vaughn. Gutted that Lucy the dog didn't make it to the studio too. She is absolutely amazing. Now, North and South Korea marched together at the closing ceremony. The women from the ice hockey unified team among them. It could be the last time the team, which was put together just a few days before the Olympic Games, actually see each other. Emotional doesn't really do it justice. When the unified anthem sounded out in the stadium, it was simply electric. The crowd started to chant, we are one, we are one. The power of sport bringing people together. There were hugs and tears on the ice, in the locker room, and in people's living room as they watched on TV. What you're gonna hear now is two minutes from four players from both sides of the border. Kim Hyang Mi and Kim Eun Hyang from North Korea. Shin So Jung and Randy Griffin from South Korea. And also, head coach, Sarah Murray. I never imagined that we would come to this Olympic Games. I thought it was an historic moment. Sports can really bring people together. When you would walk into the locker room after the last game and everybody was hugging each other and crying and it was a really special moment to see North and South together, but you couldn't tell who was who. At first, we didn't play in harmony. Then, day by day, we got along great. Conversations were just really basic stuff. We talk about what kind of food we like. We ask them, you know, do you have like ice cream in Pyongyang? And they say, yes, we have three flavors. I know we are one. We are using the same language and then kind of the same culture. With one heart and as one nation, we dedicated our, our heart. They're really just people. They're a little shy, they're nervous, they're not sure how we were gonna receive them either. I could just see everyone on the team immediately kind of shift into this mindset of, okay, let's, let's make them feel welcome and let's help them get comfortable. It's always fun to score a goal. I had no idea though that it was gonna end up being such a, a big deal to people. And then we went in the locker room and all the players were together and hugging and, and crying and it was a really special moment.
wow, what a privilege to speak to all those people. Amazing. Now, it's not goodbye, but that is it for now. Thanks to everyone for the support of the podcast over the past few weeks, and I'm glad to say it's going to continue. So make sure you check back before March is out because we'll already have some stuff there for you to be having a listen to, and we'll be back on a weekly basis. We've interviews planned for you to listen for the Paralympics, the Laureus Awards, the World Indoors from the Athletics, so loads of good stuff to come. This is just the beginning. Just before I go, though, I want to say a big list of thank yous to everyone that's helped out in Pyeongchang. Thank you to all the Olympic Channel volunteers. So much good work, but obviously, big, huge thanks to Heiji Kim. Thanks to Julian, Francois, Sven, Mary, all the guys back in Madrid who sprinkle the magic dust to make sure that everything gets on the website. Steve, James, everyone in the crew, the people who put the cool graphics together, Danny, I know this is a bit like the Oscars, but, you know, you get the picture. I'm very, very grateful. Anyway, thanks for listening. Until next time.